Welcome to Soundtrack Your Life, a podcast about soundtracks, music, and movies. Each episode features a guest and focuses on a specific soundtrack and the personal stories connected to it. Now here's your host, Ryan Pack. Uh, so I'm Ryan Pack, and this is Soundtrack Your Life. I'd like to thank you for listening today, wherever you are. Today, Bob Akber, also known as Bob Rogue, is our guest. He is the composer for the web series Dark Time, which is directed by Dan Buck, and he is also the business manager of Black Corporation. Welcome, Bob. Hi there. Greetings from Tokyo. So, Bob, um, Dan was telling me that you are doing something kind of unique with Dark Time, um, with the music that you have to create. Um, it sounds like you have to create different themes for every character in the series. Yeah, there's like 40, I think like 46 total characters. And so, well, I, I've been a little looser on the deadlines recently, but it's been basically about every two weeks I send over, you know, like a two-minute piece of music that I try to make fit the description of how he explains each character, uh, which basically is, a you know, he'll say this is, rhino woman she's a good guy character or mushroom man who's a bad guy character and uh, you know i i just have to come up with an idea from that uh just uh, so i usually go in well uh, sometimes i'll take an old recording and send something that would fit to that but other times it would just be um you know i would just kind of play around with the melody until i get something right and then lay it out, add a few other elements, and then play with um, the sounds to make it like move around in space. I mean, it, it's a podcast series, so it's not... Most people are going to be listening to it on their iPhones and, you know, laptop speakers. So the... I guess the focus isn't really on the sound quality of the recordings, but I like to throw in little sonic Easter eggs in there. So if you do listen to them on like a nice sound system you're like oh well that was kind of interesting but oh, yeah very cool been a, it's been an interesting project yeah for sure and it's a it's a nice opportunity to work with uh, i mean i don't know if you know this but dan is a, a friend of mine from high school we ran against each other as for class president when we were freshmen and we've been friends ever since <laughs> we both lost oh wow <laughs> That's not a common uh, friend origin story. <laughs> and he reminded me, I, I, yeah, he came over to Tokyo to visit me uh, early on when I moved here. And he reminded me of the story of when I first met him because we met at like when we were on stage getting ready to give our speeches and someone introduced us and we were like shaking our hands and doing the, like the old like power move the, of the strong handshake and you know, crushing each other's hand. And it's, it was a friendship ever since. <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, today we are going to talk about the 1978 Alan Parker film Midnight Express. Have you ever been in a Turkish prison? <laughs> and I want to say this is the first time we're talking about a score on this podcast that actually won the Academy Award for Best Score. Yeah. Um, 
there was some uh, interview. Uh, there was some German television appearance where Georgia Martyr, well, appeared to have performed this live on one synthesizer with all the music playing. This was before everyone kind of understood that there was probably a, a, a recording going on in the background and he was just playing, you know, the main line, but it's kind of funny. <laughs> uh, when, when he comes on stage, you see him like buttoning his jacket. Like, you know, it was like, was he naked backstage? But you know, it's just kind of funny to see it. <laughs> if you, I, I think if you YouTube, um, Georgia Martyr chase live, you might be able to find it. Let me see if I can find that and tell you exactly what the, uh, Oh no. Oh yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll send you the link. Maybe uh, you add it later. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I think that out for sure. I think, yeah, yeah. Okay. There he is. He's on a mini Moog. And yeah, the, the reason I wanted to talk about this is because, um, you know, recently, um, I, he's, uh, as you said before, when we were chatting before we got on, um, he has been popping up a lot, um, in the mainstream because of the stuff that he did with, uh, Daft Punk. And he's, I guess, kind of making a little comeback, I guess, his, like, uh, his swan song of performances, um, cause he's, he's not so young, right. um, and he's been, you know, he's been coming out. I missed him DJing in Tokyo, um, uh, but I've seen a lot of, you know, performances um, on online. And I just saw that uh, there's a performance, uh, a live performance with actual singers to sing the songs that he did for Donna Summer and Blondie and all those cats. So it's, it's, it's just kind of cool to see these uh, performances now. And yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I think for a lot of people they didn't really know who he was until 2013 where he basically gets to tell his story on that Daft Punk album. Right. And then when you start like going back to like who is this guy? Like he's more than just the Donna Summer guy and this yeah. being a soundtrack podcast, it's crazy how much like amazing work he's done just on the in the soundtrack world. Right. Well, Midnight Express, uh, I mean, I, you know, I didn't even realize he did Scarface. And I, I didn't realize he did Scarface until I played Grand Theft Auto and they have the, the, the one, you know, the, the, the Scarface theme of it. And you see mm -hmm. in the credits oh, by Giorgio Martyr. It's like, what? Right. <laughs> but yeah. uh, when, you, when you know his name's on it, you're not surprised. But it's like, how did I, how did I not know about this? Right. It's like, why doesn't everybody know this guy's name? It's kind of like Niall Rogers, who's also on that, that Daft Punk album. It's like, wait, he worked with Bowie. Wait, he mm -hmm. worked with, you know, like all those, you know, great funk songs. Like he, that's his guitar on all of those songs. But I, I, those... with Niall Rogers, though, I, I kind of feel like, oh, no, uh, I, I take back what I was about to say. I was, I, I, I was about to say, what I should have said if the topic was Quincy Jones, who like, you know, our parents all knew who he was, but I think Nile Rogers is a bit more underground. So right. I just missed 
But, you know, it's kind of crazy. Like, he made these funk classics, and then those funk classics got sampled into hip-hop songs. So it was like generations upon mm-hmm. generations, like, are all listening to his music without knowing that it's his music. Right, right. I'm surprised a lot more hip-hop hasn't sampled Georgia Martyr. Or have they, and I just don't listen to enough hip-hop. Not a lot of mainstream hip-hop. I think Jay Dilla sampled him, which makes sense because Jay Dilla knows to sample everything. Right, yeah. True. I mean, I think they will now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I think, like, hip-hop recently has gotten a bit more electronic. Yeah. So rather than funk records, they're... Actually, they are using a lot more synthesizers, and yeah, the production quality has gotten really sharp. Yeah, the hip hop live show has evolved a lot since like the mid '90s to where we are now. <laughs> Do they even bring DJs on stage anymore? Like they'll still have the DJ, but it's usually like with you know a DJ enhanced by like a live band. Right. Right. Like, it used to be just a DJ and then a rapper and then, like, ten of his friends. Yeah, <laughs> and, and his hype dudes. <laughs> yeah, not all of them had mics, but they were all on stage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, it was funny. I was at the bank today, of all places, and mm-hmm. Berlin's Take My Breath Away came on. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is Giorgio Moroder, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's everywhere. It's 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 kind of a uh, yeah. It's hard, kind of hard to uh, realize like how how we've been missing missing him all this time. But yeah. um, you know uh, the chase. I mean, uh, so I think the first martyr track I heard was um, Donna Summer. I feel uh, I was like two years old and knew this was something I was into. Um, it was on one of those cassettes that my parents had bought while traveling through Europe and it would come up in, uh, on the home stereo. And I, you know, I just always would lose my mind to it. And, um, as a, as a two or three year old, and then, um, you know, uh, of course listening to Blondie and, and, uh, more of Donna Summer. Um, uh, and then it wasn't until the, in New Jersey, when I was uh, in middle school, uh, this was like around you know the eighties, mid eighties. Uh, there was a station called Hot One Hundred Three, which became Hot Ninety Seven, which you might have heard mentioned in some hip hop songs. Uh, but before it was a hip hop station, it was like kind of a you know pop and dance kind of thing. It was like the alternative to, you know, what would be playing Def Leppard and Quiet Riot. It was more kind of dancey kind of stuff. Um, so every Saturday night, there would be the Saturday night dance party. And it would just be, you know, Italo disco. There was the um, the Puerto Rican version of it, uh, freestyle. Um, that, yeah, I had a lot of Puerto Rican artists doing something similar to what the Italians were doing, um, just with a, a more Latin kind of beat to it, which was cool. And sometimes you would hear Depeche Mode and stuff. I'd be into Depeche Mode. And then one night it started off with a New Order mega mix. And right after Blue Monday, this weird, spacey, dancey disco track comes in and it turns out to be the chase from this movie. 
uh, you know, we didn't have Shazam back then, so I couldn't find, uh, you know, what this track was. And so this was 87 when I first heard this and I recorded it. I had it on tape, so I'd be able to listen to it every now and then and could never track down what it was until one day I was at uh, university. I went to College Park, University of Maryland, and out of the stadium, I'm hearing the song playing on the whole system. Like, what is going on? And it was like, they were just testing the sound sound system. And I ran out of my dorm, ran to the stadium, climbed up to the booth where the guy was playing. I was like, what is this song? And he's like, it's the chase. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> and from then on, I knew it was the chase and tracked it down and bought the record. <laughs> that, that's how my uh, relationship with the soundtrack kind of emerged. So when did you first see the movie? Oh, wow. So I first saw the movie. I was already in Japan. So probably the late 2000s. And yeah, I I just watched it because, um, you know, it, it, the whole theme, I, I, I had the record already and I was like, okay, I might as well watch the movie. People say it's great. And yeah, with no expectations, I, I didn't know it was about a guy getting arrested for hash and being put in a Turkish prison, <laughs> thus the airplane reference. And yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was, yeah, it was a pretty awesome movie. So, and, and the entire soundtrack, it, I used to only play the chase off of the record, but now I listen to the whole thing all the way through. Yeah, and Giorgio Moroder did all the score for it. Mm-hmm. And it's a lean, like, 37 minutes of music. Yeah, it's very short. Uh, where is... Yeah, does it say who does the vocals on the last song? Do, do, it says do. Chris Bennett. Chris Bennett. Yeah, she's got a really, like, kind of angelic voice. And it's, it's just a cool way to uh, end the album with the vocal version of that. I've actually, I've actually played that in, uh, when I was, when I was DJing at an after hours club, just, uh, because it was just the right mode for it. Uh, I just decided to drop in the vocal midnight express theme. I was at an after hours club in Tokyo. Yeah. And how was that received? <laughs> well, if you're in a after hours in Tokyo, you're pretty pretty open minded at that point. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's it's it, it wouldn't be appropriate for everyone. But I think at the moment it worked. I would like to hear that at a club, but I don't think they really have after hours clubs out here. Yeah, at least not yeah. legal ones. It feels like everything closes at like what two at the latest in LA, or yeah, anywhere in America. Uh, how do you, what, what do you guys do after that? Fly to New York. Fly to New York. Go home and watch movies and talk. <laughs> yeah, I'm still uh, you know, I, I I try to go home about once a year, and every every year I get more and more culture shocked. I'm like, what? You can't just walk across the street and gr- grab a beer at a Seven Eleven. What? 
Oh, yeah, and the New York has weird laws about, like, where you can buy beer and if it's above a certain percentage, then you have to go to a liquor store versus the grocery store. And I was like, who's writing these laws? Yeah, that's 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 obnoxious. And ne- so now my parents live in Ithaca, so um, and New York, uh, I guess, um, recreational weed is kosher, like uh, in California. And mm. yeah, everything smells like weed there. And, and even like, so my last trip was I went into Ithaca and then went, spent uh, a few days in LA. And then I was flying out of LA, lax, uh, on my way home. I walked in the airport. It smelled like weed. I was like, that's you're, really, you're not, that, that huh? <laughs> that's a thing. <laughs> well, what else are you going to do in Ithaca? <laughs> that's true. Well, there's a lot of nature. You can walk around. After, uh, after smoking weed. <laughs> yeah, per- perfect for smoking weed. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, it's 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 a nice you know natural area. Um, you know, a bit colder than um, my my comfort zone, but um, it's still okay. A lot of deer running around. Um, you know, there there were a couple of nights where you know I, I would go out with a couple of friends and walk back to my parents' house where I'm staying. And just come like face to face with the deer, just standing there, like, "Hey, want some weed?" Yeah, didn't 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 get that from the deer, but that would have been funny. Um, yeah, smoke some weed and go journal. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Everything closing and just not having any options. You know, it would be like, okay, so this restaurant's closed. Okay, this bar is closed. I'd ask the bartender, what, what do you do now? He's like, I don't know. Can't stay here. <laughs> Semi-sonic reference. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You, you get to a point, you know, here it's like, okay, this place is closed. Okay. Where do we go next? Okay. Let's go there. And then, you know, just until you can't finish sentences anymore and then you go home. And it's still a super clean subway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I remember just riding down the uh, subway with my wife, and she's like, "How do they keep this place so clean all the time?" <laughs> a lot of staff. Yeah, they, they 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 keep a lot of people employed here. It's a. Did you ever walk past any construction sites? We must have, because we were by the fish market. I know they were doing a bunch of stuff over there. Mm-hmm. Oh right, they were building the new fish market. So like. When you walk past a construction site, though, there will be like four or five people just telling you, oh, look out for this cone. <laughs> Don't step in that hole over there. <laughs> just to guide you around. Something that like you know, could just take one person to do, but they'll have four. Um, that's how they keep things clean and orderly. Well, at least as a tourist, I appreciate that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, people are generally, I mean, at least Japanese people. I wouldn't say all the tourists that come, uh, I wouldn't say our fellow countrymen are always the most uh, um, full of etiquette when it comes to um, handling their trash. But, you know, you you don't, as you probably noticed, there weren't many trash cans or anywhere to throw away your your garbage. People just keep it until they find a place. They don't just toss it and forget about it. 
right. so just having respect for the area, having some pride in where you live, go. It's kind of nice. It is kind of nice. <laughs> and also, like you'll you'll see, like in in the neighborhood, people in front of their houses, they have all their plants and you know little you know knickknacks, just little bits of decoration that, like, if this was in New York, it would get stolen in a day. <laughs> yes. Yes. So yeah, there is some niceness that comes with all of that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And you can also get really good udon or soba from a vending machine. Exactly. Yes. Ah, you can also get raw horse meat from a vending machine. That I did not see. Yeah. <laughs> so for the first time, um, uh, Every uh, New Year's, we go over to my wife's parents' house, and on the way there, there was this new frozen horse meat vending machine, Basashi. <laughs> um, I'll send you a picture when we're done with this conversation. <laughs> I, I will have to uh, look out for that the next time I'm in, in Japan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, that must have been... I mean, you know, people talk about all the weirder stuff that you'd find in vending machines here. I haven't really seen any, anything too weird except for the horse meat. And you can get beer at a vending machine, which is nice. But those those are disappearing. I, I'm only imagining how problematic that would be if they had beer vending machines here. Right? <laughs> <laughs> they'd always be empty or like tipped over <laughs> <laughs> with a guy sleeping inside <laughs> <laughs> pretty much Bar Barney from the Simpsons sleeping inside hey <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean I love the idea of a beer vending machine like at the <laughs> mall like an outdoor mall be so great yeah. yeah 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 but I also know we can't have nice things here no <laughs> That's basically it. <laughs> Before we continue with our episode, Brandis is here to tell you about Newsly. So since I'm the ad person, naturally Ryan was like, I need to do the ad. So here I am to do an ad about Newsly. You don't want to read the news, but you want to have the re news read to you um, in a very natural speaking voice, great speaking voice, much better than my speaking voice. And you need to try out Newsly. You can learn about all your favorite topics, sports, tech, business, science, Bitcoin, even the Kardashians, and you can hear all of your favorite trending podcasts from over 80 countries, including, of course, your number one top absolute favorite podcast, Soundtrack Your Life. We're there too. So download Newsly for free at newsly.me, that's N-E-W-S-L-Y dot M-E, or check out the link in our description and use our promo code. SNDcast for a one month free premium subscription. So you can listen to us for free, for free, for free, all over, over and over and over, and only listen to us because we're the best podcast on there. Just saying. Since COVID has been a thing and like traveling has been kind of restricted, um, they're finally starting to let tourists back in. They're starting to let people come in, um, you know, to perform. So I've seen a few DJs and live acts come from overseas and that's been nice because, you know, all I've been seeing is everyone local for the past two years. And right. so as soon as, as soon as tourism opens up, I'm not looking forward to 
I haven't seen a selfie stick in two years. That's oh. and that's just wonderful. So I'm I'm not looking forward to those coming back in, but I I am looking forward to you know a f- little more variety and people coming over. <laughs> sure. Sometimes I feel like I stick out like a sore thumb. Sore thumb. Yeah, I mean I know that there's certain parts that have all of Tokyo that have a lot of expats, but I assume when you've been living there for as long as you have, you're not hanging out in those parts of town all the time. Yeah, like I don't, I don't usually go out to Rupogi. I still have a good base of expat friends here, and that's, you know, uh, I hang out with. There's a spider on my ceiling. Nice, um, you know. Uh, so there's still a good amount of us here, but um, it's it's not as not as much as normal normal times. Right. Dark, dark. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of. <laughs> Yeah. So, so a way to sneak in a shameless plug there for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> I did. I did prepare uh, before before we got on with some other interesting um, records uh, that I had while I was looking for the Midnight Express cover. Um, one was um, in that mix that I heard uh, the chase dropped into uh, after the New Order. Uh, I only remember this because I had it on the uh, uh, on the cassette that I recorded on. It was followed by this song, which is a it's a house song by a group called Rays. Uh, it's it's backwards on the thing, isn't it? No, Break I can see it. So for some reason, if I am DJing somewhere and if I do play Midnight Express, I'll always mix this this track into it. It just goes in perfectly. So I, I, I it was funny because I found both records together because that's. How I like to keep them. Did you know that Giorgio actually put out some solo albums as himself? Yes. From here to eternity. Look at that mustache. That is a strong Italian mustache. That is a strong Italian mustache. He looks like he plays second base. <laughs> yeah, he looks like he plays on the Mets, right? <laughs> In in 1986. <laughs> right. The Keith Hernandez era. Have you seen the spoof? It's like, um, you know, somebody pretending to be Giorgio Martyr, someone pretending to be Vangelis, and someone is um, um, Wendy Carlos. No. Oh, this is, this is another one of the, like the greatest videos of all time. It's like the synth Lord, uh, Lords of the synth. Ah, yeah, live at the Necropolis, Lords of the Synth. This is mandatory viewing as as soon as we're we're done with this conversation. I'll send you the link over right now. I look forward to it. Yes. Angelus just passed away, right? Yeah, like three weeks ago. And that was that was a bit rough. You know, kind of our company, Black Corporation, is uh has has a lot to do with um you know, uh, inspiration from Vangelis. Uh, well, I, I don't even know if it's pronounced Vangelis or Vangelis, but I say Vangelis. Um, but, uh, you know, he did the Blade Runner soundtrack, the original one. And our first product was kind of inspired by the synthesizer that he used for that soundtrack. And so we called it Deckard's Dream. 
that's very cool what, that's, what the connection is and that's kind of like our big you know it's, it's kind of our flagship and uh yeah so any anytime like a big synth pioneer dies uh you know that's kind of rough we're also big fans of depeche mode and um andy fletcher died like a week after vangelis vangelis yeah so yeah it's been uh you know one, one thing after another and then julie cruz was last week but i mean i wasn't you know a super huge fan but you know you see everyone in the music community like oh this person died this week this person so hey famous musicians stop dying on us and i think you are correct i think it is vangelis is it vangelis all right i'll probably say vangelis and vangelis interchangeably <laughs> Learn but, something new. Yeah. <laughs> I think the character's name in Lords of the Synth is Zangelis with an X and something. <laughs> Definitely worth watching. Um, so as far as Georgia's other soundtrack work, you know, did you gravitate to any you know, did you gravitate to Flashdance or to Top Bash. Gun. I mean, Top Gun was everywhere. Flashdance, um, uh, what a feeling. Uh, now that, um, okay, so when when you listen to any of Giorgio's tracks, they're, you know, they're, they're fun, they're like well-written, they're nice melodies and everything. Um, but one thing I've started to do recently is just focus on his use of the studio to make those tracks. And one thing like uh, I Feel Love, for example, like one thing that you, you probably never think of when you listen to it, but every vocal lick that Donna Summer does, you see, you hear just a reverb, just start from a dry signal and just come into a reverb and go into space. And then, you know, the next time you listen to the song, you'll notice this and be like, wow, that's really cool. It's these little details that he'd put into the studio. And one day, for some reason, I bought um, just What a Feeling in Apple Music a million years ago. So anytime I had an iPhone with no music on it, that, you know, before they destroyed iTunes, um, and I had no music on the phone, I would always be able to pull that up. And one night I was walking home from the office, <clears throat> and I was like, okay, let's listen to What a Feeling. And that was like another example of like, God damn, he was really good in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I would I would recommend uh, anyone who with any interest in Giorgio Martyr, if you like his music, like put on a pair of great headphones or some nice speakers and just listen for the details of what he would do in the studio because that's like next level. So yeah, Flashdance, I totally forgot about that being one of his soundtracks. And that's what that reminded me of. Let's see, Georgia Martyr soundtracks. What else am I forgetting? Never Ending Story, American Gigolo. Oh, Jesus, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, there was one thing that Georgia did recently that uh, that I just uh, I thought just was tacky, but the song 74 is the new 24. Have you heard this? Uh. 
<laughs> obviously he wrote it when he was 74 and I, I, I don't want to be ageist or anything, but like, come on, dude. <laughs> <laughs> the world did not need that song. <laughs> well, when he's been bulletproof for so long, sometimes you kind of forget that you're mortal. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, for a while, do you know who uh, Jeff Mills is? I don't think Jeff so. Mills. He's, um, you know, one of the original Detroit um, techno guys. Now he's, uh, or no, he's from Chicago, I think. But, um, you know, he's like one of, one of the top guys making techno. And um, he also does some soundtracking stuff. Um, he likes to use like Buster Keaton movies and re-soundtrack those. He recently did The Planets, um, which was amazing because he performed it with a, a whole, the uh, Tokyo Symphony Orchestra. And that was really, really amazing. So I kind of felt like he was kind of following in Giorgio Martyr's footsteps a little bit. Um, you know, just like kind of, uh, what, what was the other movie? I feel like Giorgio Martyr soundtracked a Buster Keaton movie. Metropolis. Was that Buster Keaton? That wasn't Buster Keaton, but yeah, he did do like an, a re-scoring of Metropolis. Yeah, so that's why I, I thought uh, Jeff Mills was going in a similar way because he also did Metropolis. And then I was kind of excited because did you know that uh, Giorgio Martyr was collaborating to make like a, it might have been a Lamborghini. Oh, yeah, the Cizetta V16T. Um, with... I don't know what the I don't know what his part in the um, in the collaboration was, but he was involved in developing a car, and so I was hoping like Jeff Mills would come up with a like an electric vehicle version of something like this. <laughs> but yeah, that another weird thing once once you once you get that Grammy Award soundtrack money. You can get into new projects like making Ferrari like rides. Yeah, because like, what else is he gonna do? Yeah, <laughs> I've already bought every synth. Now let's move on. I was like, it still blows my mind that he wrote wrote both Danger Zone and Take My Breath Away. Like they're so different. <laughs> um. I just read that like um, Val Kilmer, his voice in the movie was uh, synthesized because he can't speak anymore. Oh, and the new one? Yeah, I think yeah. he's got some sort of... Like... Yeah, he has throat cancer, but um, yeah, yeah, I didn't know. That. I haven't seen the movie yet, so no spoilers. I haven't seen it either, so I can't spoil anything. <laughs> I just know but... that it's a Lady Gaga song and not Giorgio Moroder, I don't think. <laughs> well, I, 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 well I, I'm surprised that they didn't collaborate. Lady Gaga's cool with electronic musicians. Yeah, let me double check. Hmm. But I don't think it's a Marauder song. Though it does look like they did bring Danger Zone back. <laughs> Apparently that's how they start the movie off. I mean, that that sounds like the right way to do it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> I, 
Uh, there's one interesting thing that um, I, I learned about um, I Feel Love uh, when Giorgio made that. Um, he borrowed a Moog, I think it's a, um, a, a Moog modular system, which was being used to do the music for a Black & Decker commercial. And I, I don't know if he was joking, but a friend of mine also in the, uh, the, the synth world was telling me about the history of this. And the reason that that baseline kind of sounded like that was because the synth was preset to make it sound like it was saying Black & Decker. I don't know if he was joking, but uh, it, it could be true. I, I, I like to believe it's true. Yeah, why why would he make something up as like, as ridiculous as that? <laughs> so an, another thing to think about the next time you go back to listen to Marauder's music. I just remember reading that like it took a lot of begging to get someone to sing Danger Zone because Top Gun was such a controversial movie because it was such a pro-military sort of propaganda film to a lot of critics. That like he had to go down like a list of vocalists before he landed Kenny Loggins, who owns the '80s as far as soundtrack songs go. Like I think Brian Adams turned it down, and Marauder had to be like, "Give me the Footloose guy." <laughs> Give me the Footloose guy. <laughs> it was also uh, the guy from the Eagles. Um, oh, Henley. Yeah, yeah. Which I didn't know uh, it was the guy from the Eagles until I actually went to see the Eagles in concert. Fortunately, uh, the ticket was bought for me because I would have wanted my money back. It sounded like uh, the whole show, start to finish, was like hitting play on the CD. Note for note, it was identical to everything in the uh, in their recordings. It's kind oh. of disappointing. Don't you hate that? You know, you want to hear a bit no. of liveness. I want to hear mistakes. Or at least change you know, up a solo here and there so you know it's yeah. not the same thing. And to to add insult to injury, opening track, guess. Hotel California? Yeah. When, I mean, that, that would be like a, you know, the, the closer, the 30-minute the, the version with, you know, yeah, little solos, but nope. It's like the radio edit version of Hotel California is the first track. Okay. We get it. You're the Eagles. Wow. <laughs> I don't I don't know. That why just I makes me sad. It was really sad. It was really disappointing. But I guess some people actually do just like to hear exactly like how it was released on the album. Not, Not me. me. I prefer I prefer going to New Order shows where they're just they don't even know what what octave to sing on. <laughs> <laughs> that was my my first concert was New Order, Sugar Cubes, and Public Image Limited, and I'll never forget like how messed up <laughs> New Order was <laughs> in a good way. I loved it, <laughs> and and what a lineup! Yeah. <laughs> now, if you told someone that, they'd be like, "What festival was that?" Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it was just that concert. Yeah, everything has gone to festivals now, hasn't it? Yeah. Uh, another, another, yeah, another reason to come to Japan is, is festivals. Yeah. 
the way festivals are managed here, managed here and the locations are just amazing. Yeah, one of the regrets we had was we didn't get to see a show. We wanted to go to a concert while we were in Tokyo. I think it was just like, I don't know if it was the novelty of seeing like just a bunch of Japanese people like lose their shit to like some, you know, like okay indie band from the United States. or <laughs> We just wanted that experience. Well, so going to a show in Japan is a bit weird. You, you'll get a variety of um, reactions from the audience. Um, the first show I went to was Craftwork. This was around 2005 or 2006. And my friend and I were like going nuts. All right, you know, pocket calculator. Yeah. And <laughs> we would talk in between songs and some guy in front of us turned to look at us and goes, shh. And now I'm that guy because like, I'll be like at a show wanting to listen to music and some tourists are talking. So I, I get it now, but this was like a pretty subdued audience. Um, and then I went, um, the, uh, Franz Ferdinand, they came through town and they stepped, stopped by the office because they wanted to check one of our sins. And they're like, Hey, you want to come to the show? And I was like, yeah, sure. And we went to that show and that was like all lively and people were pretty pumped about it. And then I went to see a kraut rock show. Um, Michael Rother, who was in, um, can and harmonium and Noi. Mm. Um, again, I was thinking this would be a pretty rowdy crowd, but again, between songs, people were just like, <laughs> not, not reacting. <laughs> You get a variety, so uh, it's hit or miss, I'd say. Yeah, I think we were a few days, we left a few days before I think Jimmy World was playing in Tokyo, and we oh, thought wow. that would have been a fun experience, mm. and I think we were one night from, like, the police. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I was like, I wonder how that would have been. Yeah, I'd imagine that would have been pretty, pretty lively. I wonder if I know anyone who went to that. It's funny because sometimes like a band will reunite and they'll play out here in LA and there's always like that one Japanese girl who travels like across the world and you know, like they don't know anybody at the show and they're in the front row uh -huh. and you're just like, how did you navigate your way to get here? That's funny because we have a bar here. It's a, it's a rock music listening bar um, where the owner, our friend Lynn, um, she just went to a show in LA that was what the read, uh, like, it was like Morrissey, Blondie, Berlin. Wait, what? Um, the festival, right? The just yeah. like heaven festival, I think she just went to that. <laughs> so you're like, yeah, there's just like one Japanese girl who makes their way around the world. Yeah. That was Lynn. <laughs> okay. We Next know. time I see her, I'll just be like, you must be Lynn. You must be you Lynn. Must <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There we go. <laughs> I remember seeing uh, a couple at like Blur and like at a Radiohead show and at a replacement show, I think. Mm. And it's always just, and they always like travel alone. It's not like, oh, there's a group of us where it'd be like, oh, okay, that's fun. <laughs> and be like, like, I am worried about your safety being in this foreign country. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I just want to see Sting. Yeah. <laughs> or wherever that would be. <laughs> I mean, I, I would definitely want to see Sting not playing his world music and Sting playing police songs. Yeah, yeah. I'm right there with you. 
<laughs> yeah, it, it's nice to see when they re, when the bands reunite. But I, I heard at that um, just like Heaven tour, um, yeah, uh, like uh, was it Blondie? Did Blondie play? I can look that up real quick. Okay. A friend of mine told me like it, it was like it, it, she was like struggling to to sing, and I was like, oh, they should have. Oh, Debbie just, Harry. Debbie Harry, yeah. Uh, it doesn't look like they played this. It might have been a different thing. Mm, okay, or it might have been uh, Berlin. No, oh, it's yeah. it, it's not just like heaven. That was a more of an indie fest. I, but I know what you're talking about. Uh, okay. I think, yeah, I think like Morrissey would have been closing, but I'm not a huge fan of Morrissey, so I would have bounced. <laughs> this would be the Cruel World Festival. Oh, that's the one. That's the one. Yeah. The Cruel World Festival. It was too a pretty many, Too many festivals. Yeah. <laughs> well, now that COVID's, well, now that we're out of COVID, uh, hopefully, uh, well, hopefully out of COVID, but it's, we, we are seemingly out of it and hopefully not going into monkey pox lockdowns. <clears throat> so I know you mentioned that, you know, they reference the movie in airplane. <laughs> I, I didn't Jim, realize that they also reference it in cable guy. Like there's a scene where Jim Carrey visits Matthew Broderick in jail and he like lifts up his shirt and starts oh, screaming yeah. Jimmy and bringing all that attention. There, it, a similar scene also happens in Family Guy. I think Brian's in jail, and then there's another dog in the pound, and his wife, you know, because dogs have multiple nipples. Right. So that was, you know, Family Guy humor of the same scene. Yeah. So for, for those of you listening, not knowing what we're talking about, there, there, there is there is nudity in um, uh, Midnight Express. Um, more, you know, a parent parental warning. <laughs> I mean, it's a movie about smuggling drugs, so that should be parental warning enough, I guess. <laughs> oh, sorry. There is there's awkward nudity, I should say. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that scene for yeah, like I I, I did do a quick uh, review of the movie last night, and I was like, man. Yeah, he he must have been really lonely in there. <laughs> yeah, because it's based off a true story. Yeah, and then I was watching some interviews with him. He's like, you know, trying to make a comeback. And he's like, yeah, I was a kid. I thought nothing bad would ever happen to me. I'm like, wow. <laughs> Talk about the privilege there. <laughs> you know, but <laughs> right. Nothing will ever happen to me. <laughs> But yeah, that opening sequence is pretty pretty intense. Um, the way that it's it's shot and edited and the music on there, so yeah, it's it's definitely a, a fun movie to watch. And the soundtrack really does bring it all together. Yeah, I just like I always knew the name of the movie, but I like knew almost like nothing about it until we kind of jumped into this. And then I was like, man, they reference this in a lot of things. Like even uh-huh. pro wrestling always has a tag team called the new like the Midnight Express. Uh huh. And the theme. I don't music, even really watch wrestling. The the music when they came on was the Chase. Right. Yeah. That's probably so, before they had to like pay royalties for everything. 
<laughs> but yeah, like Oliver Stone wrote the screenplay, and I was like, oh, I didn't know that he did things other than like his own stuff. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot, lot involved in that. Like he, you know, so I guess you know he had a terrible time for I guess six years. He was in prison, but must have made some money off of the the books and the movie deal and all that. So in the end, you know, uh, everything worked out. Well, he he has criticized the film of being a little too over the top, Turkphobic. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> Turkphobic. Yeah, uh, that that would make sense. Well, it was I mean, from his from his interview. He was talking about like it was like just after like the 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 PLO bombing of a plane. So like that's where like security checks actually kind of first started. Before that, like you just get on a plane, like oh hey, <laughs> it was like before we had to take our shoes off to get on a plane. I remember like in the eighties, like having to like dress up nicely to get on a plane yeah and you could smoke on it well i mean we didn't smoke because it was the 80s and we were we were kids but you know there was a smoking section that i mean in a plane the whole plane is the smoking section but you know now thinking back to that i remember before they just removed the smoking thing completely i was like who smokes on a plane Right. I was like, why do they even need to have that? Like, in retrospect, it feels a little dangerous, doesn't it? <laughs> now you can smoke. Now you can you please put your cigarettes away? We're about to experience some turbulence. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that reminds me of the uh, the scene in Airplane when he buys a ticket. Smoking or non-smoking? Smoking and the tickets are smoking. Yeah. That's that's a movie I've seen over a thousand times. I can say with confidence I've seen it over a thousand times. I need to revisit that. Airplane I have is, to revisit that film. I have not seen it in a while. It still gets funnier every time I watch it. <laughs> not a lot of those sorts of movies anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I would like to see like a nice modern spoof that's um, not like a cheesy like American Pie kind of movie. Oh, you didn't like Scary Movie or Not Another Teen Movie or whatever they called those things in the early 2000s? They were okay, but they're not like uh, at the classic level that, um, you know, Airplane, Naked Gun, um, you know, uh, what was the Top Gun one? Hot Shots. Hot Shots. (laughs) Hot Shots. And uh, it's funny because... a friend of mine um, who was visiting the office, uh, we were taking some pictures with him, and his name's Jim. And, um, you know, he was doing, like, very serious pictures. So I tried to get him to smile, and I was like, Jimmy, do you like movies about gladiators? You know, just to get him to laugh and, uh, you know, referencing Airplane. And he told me about a movie called Putney Swope. This is another one that you can look up. You can watch the whole movie on YouTube. And apparently this was, like... 19, I want to say 1968, but I feel like I'd be lying. Um, but it's like one of the original spoof films, uh, well worth watching. Putney Swope. It was, uh, I think it was directed by Morton Downey Sr. So, yeah, there's some there, there's some historical context for you there. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> 
worth checking out. Yeah, it, it blows my mind that Robert Downey Jr. used to be a cast member on SNL. Yeah. <laughs> is he still alive? Yeah, he's Iron Man. Iron Man is dead, yeah, but he is alive. Uh, uh, oh, Jr., sorry. Um, I, oh, I, yeah, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Robert Downey Sr., I believe, is gone. Okay. And there was Morton Downey, um, which I imagine same family, but he had that show. That yeah, um, that, I don't think they're related. Uh, maybe I just think so because he was also like a Morton Downey Jr. kind of guy. I don't know why these Downies like to have that suffix in their name. <laughs> There's that tendency. They're just unoriginal with naming their kids. I guess so. <laughs> yeah, I could do it. <laughs> you got to think one copied the other, right? Like, oh, if you're doing that, well, I'm doing it too. <laughs> All in the same. You're going to name it like the cousins, like Robert and Morton or two, oh, two brothers. And I'm going to name my son after me. Well, I'm going to name my son after me too. Mine will be much more famous than yours. <laughs> Um, well, thank you, Bob, for being on the podcast. This was really fun. Yeah, it was a great time. Thank you for doing all the math to make the California-Japan time <laughs> translation work. Because yeah. you are a day ahead of me. Yes, it's tomorrow already. You want you want tomorrow's winning lottery numbers? Yeah, let's do it. All right, I'll, I'll text them to you. We don't. I don't want you to share it with all of your listeners. No, of course not. <laughs> there should be a plot point plot point in dark time. Right on. Oh, that's an idea. <laughs> well, uh there there are still tons and tons of soundtracks that you know uh, I do enjoy. So if I think of a cool one, I'll I'll let you know you can do this again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh now check out Dark Time. Bob does the music for it. I think they do monthly episodes. It's bi-weekly. Oh, so they do episodes every two weeks. Yeah. Bi-weekly can mean every two weeks or every... Oh, no, never mind. Bi-weekly can mean every two weeks or in the middle Twice of each... a week. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> uh, I was talking to a British podcaster, and he said, uh, every fortnight. And I was like, what's that? And he's like, that's every two weeks. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, if you're liking a lot of the uh, synth-heavy soundtracks that are going on in movies and TV shows right now, uh, it's very likely that they could be one of our Black Corporation synthesizers on it. So that would be another fun little plug for myself and, and our team yeah very cool that that's that's amazing <laughs> i'm still i'm just like wading into the synthesizer waters i have a vintage memory moog in my house that i'm too yeah, afraid yeah. to break oh <laughs> very nice i'm very fortunate that i have uh our engineer is one of the world's top um repairers of vintage analog gear so I did just get this guy for a steal. And it was just because it wasn't making Ooh. voices weren't working, but I gave it to him for a couple of hours and I brought it home last night and it's 
singing beautifully. That's awesome. Well, that's awesome. I'm I'm so glad we got to make this work. Um, I def definitely, if you are at Nam, I will take you out. For sure, that sounds awesome. Cool. So um, have a good rest of your day. <laughs> as my day is wrapping up. Yeah, yeah. Have a good night. What time is it there now? It's a uh, nine thirty. Uh, yeah. Or- Nine forty. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Take care. Bye. Thanks for joining us. This yeah. is soundtrack your life. This guy. Make sure to visit our website, soundtrackyourlife.net, where you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. While you're at it, I have yet to steal our third and fourth one. We'd appreciate a rating, or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Yeah. Being a kid in the candy store. Yeah, and this is also half of my living room, so uh, to my wife's dismay, um, <laughs> I need to get that visa, my, my permanent resident visa, so we can move into a house so she doesn't have to look at this every time she comes over. <laughs>